page seven of the segments of musical philosophy, please. Page seven in the segments of musical philosophy, the handout with the chironomy on the front of it. Okay. It's the unbound sheets. And we want to look at this hymn uh, in the sweet by and by, and I've scored out for you the melody there. The melody tells us where the strong beats occur, what the metre is, and where the bar lines go. Interesting, when I first presented this material to SBBC many, many years ago, um, decades ago, they were thinking it through over a whole week, and we came up to this uh, example we were doing, and someone said, well, Pastor, could we move the bar lines to make it right? So if the beats coming on two and four are turning into rock, couldn't we keep the song and just move all the bar lines over it? Just an interesting thing. So <laughs> the bar lines don't determine the music. They're simply notated what the music is telling you. Right, so because you've got bar lines, you can put bar lines like that, but you'd be putting them in the wrong place because the melody is not demanding that there. It's going to be wrong. So with that in mind, <clears throat> we've got here scored out for you in the suite by and by. We notice we said that the strong beats are usually long beats. <clears throat> so it's short, short, strong, short, short, strong, short, short, strong. So that's where we know where the, where the bar lines come. So it's, it's an anacrusis, so it's uh, four and one after the first bar line. That is fairer than day is a strong bit, the three long counts. So that is, comes after the bar line because long is strong. And by faith, that's relatively stronger than the eighth nose, we can see it afar for three. So you can see the bar lines have been placed there. The actual melody tells you where to put the bar lines and how to notate it. And you can't change that. It wouldn't make any sense if you move the bar lines across to turn rock into something okay for church. It just doesn't work. It's impossible. So bear that in mind that... Uh, Rock music depends upon this. And it is an artificial conflict between the rhythmic pattern determined by the melody and an external force crashing in on the weak beats and tipping the thing upside down. It does not arise. So you might hear a jingle on the radio or... um, the ABC has got that sort of thing, and it's just, it just sounds like a lot of rubbish. It's just, it sounds like rock. You listen carefully, and when you've cleared away the percussion, there's usually a sweet little tune going through there somewhere. Oh, there it is. You take that tune away, and you can move the bar lines anywhere you like. Because the tune sinks the time, sets the timeline of which the rock beat can attack. It's a reactionary attack upon the melody. So bear that in mind there, that will help you to see. So in this case here, we can see where our strong beats come. There's a land that is fairer than long, long, long. Short, short, long, short, short, long, short, long, 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 long. So that's why it's there. So the melody is determining that. I want you now to see what this group have done. It's really cacked up. And uh, they've actually brought in, by this unknown group, the next next set set of it down further, shows these little arrows above where the beats should be. But you're going to find that they're going to put them on the weak beats. They're going to put their percussion on beats two and four. The normal percussion or rhythm is beats 
one and three in the song, because the melody is telling you that. They're going to override that with an external will to tip it upside down. So let's, can we see how that goes? Follow this through. So our picks are coming very much on the one and the three there for this 4-4 four, four song. Shut it off now. Okay, so that's defying what the melodies is put down there in print. So it's a reactionary thing, and it has that same reactionary results in human beings. It's a defiance against God's laws of melody. It's something foreign to the melody, not controlled by the melody, autonomous element. And we need to get out of all of our music, whether it's serious art music or whether it's ballads or whatever it is, those elements which are foreign, autonomous and attacking what the melody is saying. Now this doesn't mean that we, we throw out all syncopation. Syncopation is needed uh, and it's, uh, it's sort of the spice in good music. But the syncopation that we learned about in conservative music is quite different to this. This is a syncopation, it's true, but it's actually attacking the metrical structure of the song, the bearers, the time bearers underneath the song. It's attacking those foundations. So normally with syncopation, in normal thing, you'll get it when you say different things, um, if I said the word 17, 17, 17, 17, um, I think it was a, a stopped anapestic beat. Now, you don't say that all the time. You might have that come into a song somewhere, but by the time we get to the end of the musical phrase, the main rhythmic is still synchronous there. So, and it, in other words, if you think of uh, rhythm in terms of dissonance, rhythmic dissonance, <clears throat> just the way you talk, you can't help uh, saying things in a different way and it's, there's a metre involved in there and sometimes it's, it will have um, syncopation in it but you don't keep doing that all the way through your essay or through what your speech is. There's a full stop there at the end of that phrase and the whole thing gets back and starts again. So it resolves. The key thing is resolution. We want our dissonant harmony to resolve. We want all syncopation to resolve within a reasonable short time of music span. And that's God's way to tension and then resolution. Tension within limits and resolution. And that makes life interesting and it's quite healthy, but when this rock music is attacking the main metrical structure of the song. So I hope that helps you to see that. That's our shot for this hour. Okay. Now, we've had some questions which we would like to answer, but um, I've spent most of the break time, and I'm glad we have a break big enough, answering questions, and that's really good. Um, don't all queue up just to be good, but I mean, basically, it's been a good use of time, Pastor. Uh, and that's what I'd hoped for when we just adjusted the schedule a bit that it gives time to demonstrate something, talk. So, number of songs. Uh, How Great Their Arts come up as a, a song which uh, one of our pianists feels that's, needs a bit of attention. So, we'll just have a look at it and see what we can do. I would be glad if um, our previous pianist could come back. Is she here? Yes, thank you very much. 
Um, how great thou art. Number 38, thank you. Now, I don't know quite what the problem is, but we'll just see if we can work through it. Okay, let's find what we'll do for an introduction. What would you suggest, Cherise? We've got a number of options here. I would normally do the last uh, three bars. The last three bars of the chorus? Okay. If you're just going to do the last three bars of the chorus, what... Does that pass three tests of introduction? Okay, gives us the final key, that's correct. Probably sets the right tempo. What is missing there? The opening motive. Now, most people will know what it is because it's a very well-known hymn. But the introduction would fail at that point, I submit. So, I would suggest that you do a little bit of the beginning so we can get the motive and then how great thou art how great thou art try matching a bit of the front and a bit of the back okay see how it goes appreciate your willingness to help Let's go down to the words so hands have made and then add on how great thou art, how great thou art. It's a bit longer, try again. From the beginning of the verse. That's good. Now, what we have here, and I don't know whether this is um, what Bianca was referring to here, we have a, a dynamic change in the chorus compared to the verses, which are more like someone telling a story or a prayer. Oh, Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder. Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. So people will be seeing that probably more recitative. And then you've got this very, very robust and strict time coming through at the end. So you're going to have to sort of change mood back to here. You could just make the first part your introduction and not have the last part. You've got a B-flat chord there. You could just play the first line and a half. And that might solve the problem in that the mood is going to be similar. To starting. Let's try that, shall we? So we'll go have an introduction down the words thy hands have made. Thank you. Should have been correct. I don't know what happened there. Who was right? Okay. All right. Try it again. I'll stand corrected. <laughs> Do that much again. Just take it just a little slower for us. i 
on the end there, so it's up to do interpretation. Okay, I'm not sure that we've solved the problem, but it could be, because someone also asked me a question about low in the grave he lay, and it sounded like a similar question. Uh, up from the grave he arose. It just changes tremendously. Then you've got to go back to, no, in the grave he lay. So it might be that you best not to change the mood if you can find an introduction in the first part there. Uh, it might not be such a vivid contrast that might help you. That's all I can think of. Okay. All right. You've all been listening very well. I want to go through the points. We'll probably do a bit more for the pianists tonight. Um, try and catch them up on some things like chords and how to arpeggiate your bass of your hymn. Um, so I hope you can be there for that. Um, there's some simple things you could be practicing this afternoon. <laughs> I call them five ten, uh, one one five tens. So, one of the problems I'm just diverting back for the pianist now, so I'll come back tonight. Um, so what happens when people, young pianists, try to arpeggiate their hymns? They tend to do this. churches. Okay. <laughs> what do we say? Our early musicians, they said, do not harmonise with the third in the bass because that's this horrible thing there. Leave it out. So I'm going to suggest that you pivot, pianist, on your middle finger. Bit of high wrist work. Three notes in the right hand. Get your left hand like this. Many, many hymns start like that in um, properly arranged songs today because it's a must to get that note out of the way, but you don't want to lose it. And then you can break in. You can continue with a normal P. 
Hilt your altar. Why don't you get out of that dark? Make sense? Questions? It's easy to do. Sorry? Come back tonight, yes. <laughs> Got to make sure they come back. All right, so I want to go through the uh, marks of a good song leader. Page 22. Yes, thank you. Qualities of a good song leader. Page 22. While a song leader does not have to be a highly trained musician, it is nevertheless assumed that he or she has a natural sense of pitch and rhythm. Don't expect someone who is tone deaf to lead you singing. It's cruel. It's like asking someone who's blind to describe something. Okay, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but if the faculty's not there. Most people aren't tone deaf. Somebody, some sing like they are, and in time, after five years in church, they're actually on pitch. So it's not because they don't have the faculties, it's just they lost, they didn't have the opportunity, perhaps. So, but you occasionally meet people that just cannot hold a tune in the bucket and don't put them in that situation. So assume that they have a natural sense of pitch and rhythm and can let the voice ring out with a pleasant sound for a modest range in pitch. So also assume that the song leader has an understanding of the various rhythms encountered in the hymn book. That's what we've been doing here. And can perform the appropriate conducting pattern for each. In addition to these basic musical requirements, there are a number of other qualities to look for in a good song leader. This is my thoughts on it. You probably think of some things that you've been added. The Word of God commands God's people to sing. The songs we sing are spiritual songs that are offered unto the Lord. Congregational singing is therefore a spiritual exercise under the Lord. It's not just an add-on or a fill-in in the church service. It's got to be important to understand that. Read about David's psalms and music. He had whole teams of literally hundreds of instrumentalists and singers and they would sing, I understand, at the morning and evening sacrifice too so that if you were on the Jericho Road coming up some miles away, you could hear the beautiful music coming off the temple, going down the valleys every day. So come into this presence, he says, with singing. That's a wonderful thing to do. So spiritual congregational singing is therefore a spiritual exercise unto the Lord. It's an offering to the Lord. That's the way I see it. The song leader needs to be, therefore, a spiritual person. Uh, Soon after I graduated from high school, our church held a tent mission for three weeks straight. The evangelist impressed me as a man who had God's power and passion for souls. During the preaching... The evangelist would sometimes leave the platform in the big tent and walk down the sawdust aisle among the congregation with tears. He would plead for souls to be saved. Another man who impressed me was the song leader for that campaign. To many, the song leader was a most unlikely man. Why would the evangelist choose Bill Bowden? Ask about him in old Church of Christ circles. You'll probably remember him. Bill Bowden was a plumber with no musical training. The evangelist discerned correctly and the plumber not only became an able song leader but also a powerful lay preacher. In preparation for the said campaign, I still remember his message to our church as he preached to get us in condition really for this. He preached on the text, The Iron Did Swim, from 2 Kings 6.6. The song leader needs to be a person of prayer. Another thing that impressed me about the plumber song leader was his prayer life. On one occasion, he could not join the evangelist for a mission, but promised to pray each night at the same time as the evangelist was teaching and preaching. He told us how the first few nights were hard going in prayer. Then one night, as he prayed, God gave Bill the witness in his spirit that there had been a breakthrough in those meetings. He later telephoned the evangelist to confirm that the blessing of God had fallen on that very meeting and that souls had been saved. 
What a wonderful thing for a preacher to have a prayer warrior as his song leader. As a song leader, you are a part of a ministry team. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastor, particularly if you're on this Sunday. Pray over the order of service and the choice of hymns. In the 1949 Scottish revival, people were sometimes saved during the congregational singing before the preaching of the word of God. So thirdly, needs to be a spiritual person, a person of prayer. The song leader needs spiritual discernment in the choice of hymns. Ask your pastor what the theme of his preaching will be for the service. Depend on the Spirit of God to help you choose hymns that will be a special blessing for that occasion. The following account of Ira D. Sankey is truly amazing and illustrates the spiritual sensitivity of this renowned song leader. Ira Sankey would lead the singing in the D.L. Moody meetings from a small harmonium or pump organ. In 1874, Moody and Sankey were travelling on a train to a meeting when Mr. Sankey was impressed by a poem he had found in a local paper. The next day at the noon meeting, Mr. Moody was preaching on the Good Shepherd. Without warning, Moody asked Sankey to sing something appropriate to the theme. Placing the paper clipping on the organ and after a brief and urgent prayer, Mr. Sankey began to spontaneously compose, play and sing. There were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. You know the hymn? But one was out on the hill far away, for often the streets of gold... God also enabled Mr. Sankey to repeat his composition for the remaining verses, and there's quite a few verses of this wonderful hymn. So that is, um, I would call that uh, um, an extraordinary example of uh, improvisation on the spot with a poem in his hand and was able to sing that and remember what it's composed and sing all verses and it's in our hymn book. So, <clears throat> number four, the song leader needs to be able to help during the invitation. Sometimes the choice of the invitation hymn is left to the song leader. Now, so if you've got an evangelistic campaign and you're wanting to give people an opportunity to pray for salvation or to come forward to seek counsel, um, then you need to be prepared for such an occasion, or as what Glenn Weeks would call a gully washer, (laughs) where a lot of people were getting saved at one meeting. I remember he got on the phone call after he'd been with us um, in this, uh, over the farm, I think we're here, first time I met him, and he rang one of his colleagues and says, we had a gully washer here tonight, which means people got saved out of the woodwork in large numbers. So what are you going to do with people like that when they need that immediate instruction? To be prepared for such an occasion, it would be a good thing for the song leader to memorise the numbers of some invitation hymns. That would be good. So he says, well, just choose something and sing. Most of the counselling in the service will be done by others, but in the event of a gully washer, the song leader also surely needs to know how to lead a soul to Christ. It's very important because you'll be part, you might, someone may approach you and say, look, I just think I need to be saved tonight. You say, well, oh, I don't know anything about that and I have to find the experts on this. You need, you need to be ready to, to, to point them to salvation. This is the sort of person you need as a song leader. Some personal qualities now. <clears throat> I believe that any temperament can become an effective song leader. You don't have to be a super sanguine. I remember at a Belgrave Heights convention, one of the people from our house party, uh, with the um, uh, CIM it was, uh, leading that large um, group of people there, but, and he's melancholy and a good pianist, but just his facial expressions were incredible. He, he just talked with his face the words and, and the simple hand movements in the big congregation sang. So you don't have to be a super sanguine and a clown, uh, not all sanguines are clowns, sorry, um, but you don't have to be um, a super extrovert 
any temperament can become an effective song leader. Song leading is not reserved for the super extroverts. To the extroverts we say, do not become a clown. And to the more serious temperaments we say, let the joy of the Lord notify your faith. <laughs> Nothing worse. You know, you're going through it somewhere. And so if you're going through a trial, then let, let your face radiate the fact that God is still in control and you're trusting him through the tears or whatever it is. Um, but don't negate the occasion by um, let the joy of the Lord notify your face. His pointers for personal qualities. One, let your countenance radiate the graces of the Spirit. Ask God to help you with your face. <laughs> I have to do that. My wife's face is always beautiful, but I have to say, Lord, help me just to radiate you through my face as I preach to these people in the way that you want to look at them. If God wants to frown, then I'll frown. Um, okay, you want God to use your whole body, spirit, soul and body. Um, okay, if you're carrying a personal burden, then show the congregation the Lord can sustain you. If you are merry, then direct the enthusiasm into hearty singing rather than a foolish commentary. Don't spoil the church service with foolish. You're not there to crack jokes. You're there to point to the Lord. Uh, not, not there to, you can be happy, that's fine. But um, do not negate the song by inappropriate facial expressions. The Christian life is full of faith, hope and love and allow your eyes to smile. Do not allow your facial expression to divert people's attention from focusing on the singing. Don't look shocked when someone you weren't expecting walks in the door. <laughs> I seem to remember Brother Simeon when he was uh, doing his internship with us, was preaching away and all of a sudden he went like this and he's into this sermon. I thought, because everybody goes, I just to see what's going on. <laughs> Who's coming in? So you don't want to divert people. Oh, what? Someone? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, don't look shocked when someone you weren't expecting walks in the door. And two, personal appearance needs to be neat and clean. Let the men follow the pastor's lead on appropriate dress sense for Sunday ministry. Likewise, let the ladies follow the pastor's wife on appropriate dress sense. Hair needs to be neat and gender distinctive. Wear dress shoes and don't forget to polish them. That's why I called for the polish this morning. I thought I can't Preach this with these shoes in this state. <laughs> Punctuality is important. A tardy song leader is a burden to his pastor. I repeat that. A tardy song leader is a burden to the pastor. Because as the time gets on, you've got three minutes of starting time, you look around and say, where is my song leader? The people are there, they're ready to chart the service and, 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 and he runs in at, at one minute to starting time and rushes up and has to pick a few hymns. Be there with some time slack there because the pastor doesn't need to be worried where you are. What I really appreciate with, and sometimes you wonder, well, I hope they're going to get there on time. If I'm detained by a pastoral emergency or a flat tyre or anything like that, you can say, well, praise the Lord, I know those men will start the service right on time. And they'll keep that service going until I get there. That's a great thing to know, that your, your helpers and your workers are able to run that whole meeting. And uh, if you've got something that you did not account for, um, not just that you slept in, but uh, <laughs> that you've got a, a problem there, then they can carry the early part of the service there, take up the offering, do whatever's needed until you get there. And then by then, hopefully, you've got a phone call saying, look, I've been involved in a minor accident and the police don't let, won't let me go. So, um, but I should be free soon. That sort of thing happens. Take up two offerings. <laughs> that's right. The treasurer speaks. The treasurer speaks. Okay. All right. So the song leader needs to be able to distribute the order of service to those who are ministering a good, a good 10 minutes Probably some people like to say 20 minutes before starting time. So you, your pianists and your musicians and the choir just need to know what's happening ahead of time. All right, some helpful pointers. 
And this came through to me as a young teenager uh, when I was asked to help uh, as a member of my church in a special evangelistic thrust. I can't remember the preacher's name now, but he was very much like Glenn Weeks. I remember that, very powerful preacher. And uh, I was song leading, doing my best. And he took me aside after one or two services and he said, look, you're doing a good job. That's great. You know, always give them the sandwich, the good news, the bad news, and then a bit more good news. Okay. But then that's serious. So he didn't smash me down. He said, look, you're doing a great job up there. He said, but let the people sing. He said, you're stopping the congregation on every stanza and saying something. He said, it's like getting in your car, putting it into bottom gear in the days when we used to drive with gears, and going up to the end of first gear and then stopping. You're never getting into second gear, let alone third. We only had three gears in those days. So um, he, uh, he, I'd never forget that. So let the people sing. Don't stop the congregational singing between every stanza and say something. You're not there to preach. Um, the song leader is not there to preach. I have to emphasise it. Now, if you're the pastor of the church and you want to take the liberty to break into song when you're preaching, well, that's something that you can work out with your congregation. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a crime. I think sometimes I've done the same. Uh, your preacher probably has, but you know, I remember... In the States, when they in Bible college, they look at things more critically and they're saying, if you sing, don't preach, and if you preach, don't sing. Now, when you hear the Gaithers and all the preaching they do and the sobbing and the crying, when they came to our college, I was before we joined there in 1975, I think it was, one of the Texan friends of ours said, oh, uh, we had the Gaither trio here last year. I said, oh, really? It was, I mean, they were much more conservative. And that, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Good. Well, not bad, he said, if you don't mind two hours of Gloria crying. <laughs> <laughs> Gloria Gaither. So um, he had a way of putting things in perspective. Ter- Terrell Huff became a missionary to Japan. Um, good friends. And the Evans are in the work that they started right now. So, um, but generally, don't preach. The preaching is coming. Um, if you if you're so loaded up with preaching, talk to the pastor. Pastor, I'm about ready to burst. I've got five, ten thousand words here. I want to give to the Lord. I'm a preacher. Well, that's me. Must say, okay, you can go and preach to the starlings. Until <laughs> uh, you get it out of your system, or we've got a little class on Sunday morning, and just need what you've got. How about you do this for the next week or two? And I understand it's not all that easy, but just uh, bear that in mind. Um, number two, under helpful, don't try to hit high notes that are beyond the pleasant range of your voice. <laughs> well, that's serious. Um, because most hymns start in the middle of the pitch range, most, most music does really, and then it works out to the extremes and comes back again. So um, it's important that the song leader starts and finishes the hymn with the support of, of his or her voice. Uh, like we're talking about, the song leader does not have to sing every word of the hymn. If a passage is too high, then sing a lower part. Pardon me. So that will help. So don't try and get up there with the canaries and with the sopranos. Just sing, a, even if you have to, if you can't do any more, just sing an octave lower. Or if you can sing a part, then hum, do something. But you don't have to have your voice peering all the time either. Number three, we've been through this, don't sing the hymns too fast. Just as the public reading of the word of God needs to be at pulpit speed, so the congregation singing needs to be slow enough so that the congregation can round out the vowels and think on the words of the hymn. And then some things we've covered before. Allow a small window of time or at least a heavy break the end of each stanza for the congregation to get a fresh breath. <clears throat> a return to strict time between verses would generally not give enough time for the congregation to properly fill their lungs. Make sure your feet are placed firmly and evenly on the ground. Don't stand on one foot in an attitude that betrays a lack of seriousness. 
Now that that's important. If you're going to be sing, if you, like this, you know, and you let's all sing now. Okay? Sing it up a bit. That's it. That's the idea. That's good. You come over here and lean on the pulpit. Yeah, I think you could do a bit better than that. I mean, it's um, don't. And then some bounce up and down with the music. They go up and down when they go up and down like this. So try not to do that, um, especially if, if you don't have the coverage of a pulpit in front of you um, and you're just using a music stand. No dancing. Okay. Um, and don't shut your eyes as you lead the singing. You say, people actually do that? Yeah, sometimes they do. They say, shut their eyes. Eye contact is important. Don't put your hand in your pocket. Very good. That's true. That, that speaks of carelessness. Oh, you're not talking about me, are you? Oh, no. <laughs> That's probably possible. What's the sort of thing my wife would do? Um, I try not to have your head in the hymn book all the time. Now, I can understand it, but, you know, I reckon you probably know the chorus in the sweet by and by. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet in that beautiful shore. In the sweet. No, you don't need that. You know it. Get the hymn book and sing it. And. Same with the verses. Once you've got just of it, then get your head out of the book and don't keep looking at the book. You, as you become more familiar with the words of the hymns, the first word of the phrase will be sufficient to trigger your memory. Memorise hymn numbers of your favourite hymns. Now, some of you are very good at that. Because you're still remembering the hymn numbers of the Majesty Hymn Book, which is your previous hymn book. And this is just a pet peeve on this. I can't give you any scripture verse for this to support this. When calling out the hymn, don't say, turn to hymn number 23. Just rather say, turn to hymn 23. You say, why not? Well, I don't know. It's just tradition. It's like reading the psalm. Let's turn to psalm number 23. Just say, turn to psalm 23. Okay. All right. Now what are we going to do for the rest of the hour? Okay, so, sorry, question? Is it appropriate for the song leader to make any comments on the hymns? Oh, good question. Is, there, is the song leader muted to, or totally? Uh, is it ever appropriate to make a, a comment on the hymn? I believe so, but not between every verse. Uh, particularly with the, well, the Majesty hymns, they've got usually a verse of scripture over each hymn. And so that might be something. So this is a this is a great great psalm. This is based on Psalm twenty three, Psalm of David, and uh, let's give it our best or something like that. It's all this is a great psalm on the on the great hymn on the um, uh, protection of God or whatever it is. Yes. Oh, you said a, a, a brief comment at like the beginning of the mm. hymn. Yeah. Can be like a, a couple of sentences. Yes, can focus. You start dragging on for three, four, five minutes, and you're giving a devotion. That's no. when it's no. So you know, this is a wonderful hymn on the blood of Christ. That's I mean, that's it. Sing, you know? Yeah, but not. You don't need a three-point outline of a poem. Because sometimes, if, if this, I mean, as well, if the preacher's studied and he's got an hour's worth of material. Yeah, or more. Or more. <laughs> and the song leader, because he's he's giving the five-minute devotionals all the way through, you're actually taking time off the preacher. Yes, you are. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Yes, sir. I'm just going to comment on, on the, the, the high notes from the, in the hymn. It is helpful if uh, the song leader is uh, trying to sing a high note and isn't right up at the microphone as well. Yeah. Um, I, I generally will try to stand back. Yes, the, good. From the uh, once, once the, the hymn. Mm-hmm. Uh, once they're going, you don't want to be dominating them. Yeah, very good point. Yes, sir. Well, the song leader? Oh, that's a good question. All right, this is to do with the music in general. I've tried to shy away from specials of words that, that uh, uh, portray the um, theatre. So you listen to the contemporary church and say, well, we'll go backstage and you know, have a little meeting. 
But it's not stage. This is not, this is not showbiz. So, nor do we want to have... Well, I shy away from the word special music. Uh, why is it more special than the congregational singing? I, I don't believe it is in that sense. So we generally in our church, without being legalistic, just encourage the words, there'll be a, now a ministry in song. So you don't want, you don't want people to have the idea of performance, um, but you're ministering uh, through song, the truths of the word of God. We now have a ministry in song by, by our quartet or by our choir or something, or just a ministry in song, and they'll come up and do what they need to do. Good. All right. That answered all the questions. That's great, isn't it? Okay. Well, there's plenty of songwriting to do. In a sense, there's more that we can do with the different uh, choices we have here. What I'd like to suggest we do now, like before tonight, and since you have so much time this afternoon, I'm sure you've got the busy things to do. This sheet here has uh, hymns used in the songwriting course. And you can see there hymns in simple time, hymns in compound time. What I'd like to do is have some of the men volunteer to come and lead us in one of those hymns. And then, I know this is putting your head on the block, Uh, I'm going to ask for sensitive, humble comments on what you see. So that will help all of us really, a bit like a master class, I suppose, where you can do this and then it's not, if you feel like you just can't face it, that's okay. But I'm sure there'll be some men who'll be happy to come up and lead one of these. So if you'd like to choose one hymn, each man who is, feels like they're ready to song lead, if you haven't song led at all in the past, it might be a bit of a tall order, but if you feel capable, that's fine. Um, but some of you young fellows, I'm sure you musos can do this. Um, choose a hymn out of that list of hymns and you can choose whether you're using anacrusis. If, you, uh, if you're worried, your hymns in uh, simple time are simpler and in the question box says anacrusis, yes or no. If you're not sure about anacrusis, then choose a hymn that doesn't use anacrusis. So you can choose one of those that doesn't have that extra little challenge in it. Okay. All right. All right, we might go back to the musicians for a bit then. We probably guess it. Oh, yes. What do you do with your second hand? I'm just not being rude. Yes, but when you're actually using both hands, what do you do with it? Same pattern. Okay. Yes. So like a like a mirror image, maybe. Yes. So you're like a left-handed man and then a right-handed man. Yeah. Well, you can do you can do it that way, but you're going across the body to do it. Yeah. No, no, there's no hard and fast. But I think sometimes a, a, a bit of movement in the left hand is good. Um, I guess we haven't sought to uh, cover that in this. Mm. So, so, so it's basically up to the song leader, isn't it? I mean, if you feel. Yeah. And would it be also a point to say it depends again on the size of the congregation? If you're yes. leading to a Bible class, you're not going to use both hands. But no. on Sunday morning or Sunday Yes, absolutely, yeah. So just mirror image it, really. So if you've got a three-time, one, two, three, like this. So it'd be mirror imaged. If you go together, it's a bit... It's going to come across the body more. So I'll just mirror image it so like that. So one, two, or whatever you're doing that way. If you've got a four, one, two, three, four. Yeah. Okay, good question, yes. Yes. Because it's easier for the whole large congregation 
Yes, well, if you've seen the big, large crusades, your song leader, like if he's in an open football stadium, he's using the full reach of his body. But that would not be appropriate for a cottage meeting in the third classroom over here. They might think you're really going charismatic. Right, okay. All right, back to the musicians. That's what we want to do. Um, What I'd like to do now is to ask the... uh, Let's go to all to Jesus, I surrender. That would be good. Maybe that's here. If you've got a number, call it out. Yes, I surrender all. 390. OK. Um, I would like to have the peers come forward, these three instruments, and try and experiment with an arpeggiated type of bass on this. That's what we're doing. Okay. That makes sense. You're looking a bit puzzled now. <laughs> All right. It's in key of D. All right. Let's see. Who can we have? Who's the first victims? We've got one here already, but she's probably already well into this. Um, what about some of the fellows? You guys are musicians, aren't you? No, shaking heads. <laughs> Not one of them. Where's Bianca? She's out with a bubby, I think. Yeah. All right. Let's try this one five tens a bit. I want I want you to get that in your head. So, would you like to come, Mary? Was it? You can come back to this unit here or the piano over there. Alana's quite good. Who's Alana? No. Okay, we've got one brave person here. Okay, anybody else? We're good if we had a few others because we can do all this together. Come on, Mel. 